the word became flesh and dwelled among us, set up among us his tent, abiding, abide, tabernacle. God came and tabernacled inside of us. You know why? Because he loves us. You know why? Because he likes us a lot. When I was younger and was raised on a different kind of strand of biblical interpretation, the idea that God would dwell within me at certain times in my life didn't feel so comforting. Because I was taught that God could not look upon unholy or profane or unclean or unworthiness. And I was all of those things at so many times in my life. Heck, I was that today. But I've learned over the years that that's just not the thing. God really does love us. God really does love you. And God really does love me. God has tabernacled with us. God is tabernacling within us. Christ came as a baby, helpless and vulnerable, dirty diapers and throw up on his clothes. Christ came as God and also man. God does not think you're too dirty for her to dwell in. God thinks you're cute and delightful. The same stories you tell a million times, they don't annoy God. God still gets a kick out of them. God understands and gets your impatience, my impatience, our sarcasm, our cuss words, our frustration with people, our eye rolling behind somebody's back, our need to withdraw, our anger, our exaggerations. God is quite aware of all of those and more. I try to be very vulnerable with all of you, but there are even things I, I don't share with you that are just between God and I. But God knows, and God likes me anyway. I think somewhere along the way we've latched on to God loves, like, yeah, 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 yeah. God loves, got it, that's it. But somewhere along the way we lost the message of God likes us. God likes being with us, in us, tabernacling inside of us. He enjoys us. We make her giggle. God does not just tolerate us. God doesn't love us begrudgingly. God loves us just as we are. I hate tent camping. I may have shared with this with you before, and if I have, I, sorry, you get to hear it again. I hate tent camping. If you enjoy tent camping, like in a tent, I'm not talking about a camper, that's different, but a tent. If you enjoy that, I want you to tell on yourself right now and let us know that by raising your hand. We want to know who the psychopaths are in the room. <laughs> Duly noted, duly noted. 
What, tell me some things you like about tent camping. Just popcorn them out. Give them to me. Cozy. That's not, anyway. Cooking over an open fire. The risk of death. Okay. I have an honest person in the room. Yes. The sound of rain. Yeah. Who else? What do you like about camping? Tent camping. The breeze blowing. Okay. All right. I still don't like it, but that's okay. Yes. The fun? Okay. We must have different families. When our children were little, we decided that we would buy a tent to make memories with our children. It was the dumbest idea I ever had in my 20s. But we did. We bought this really fancy, nice tent. We go one night and one night only because I couldn't deal with it. The kids were okay. They got on my ever-loving last nerve. I have to be honest because they were little. They, they, this was the day before electronics and TVs and the, you know, little like the DVD things you could take with you, the little DVD player type things, the tablets or whatever. Uh, so it was just us, just regular old mom and dad and three kids that were annoying. And so it gets dark really, really early in Mississippi. I mean, I know it gets dark here too, but it makes for a better sounding story, does it not? I don't think you realize how dark it gets in Mississippi. Anyway, sure enough, by about six, do you remember any of this, Sam? You're so lucky. Because I was going to have to apologize to you if you did. So we like we bought all the stuff, all the food, like bought Walmart out because we're going to stay like three days. Yeah, we didn't do any of that. By 7.30 it's dark and the kids are like, now what? And I'm looking at their father like, yeah, now what? Didn't end well one night. I looked everywhere all over my house this week for pictures of that because I do have pictures of it, um, but I couldn't find them. But they... I, there's one where I have this scowl all over my face. The kids are just like, and I'm not doing that at all. I'm not a tent camper. But here's the thing. God likes making a tent within us. God really does. You know, when I was a kid, we, we tent camped some, and we bought a tent. And for whatever reason, I don't know what the trick is or trick is not, whatever. But it rained one night, and somebody said rain. It rained inside of our tent. So none of us could get out of that tent fast enough that night. It started like at 3 o'clock in the morning, and we run out to the pickup truck to spend the rest of the night. We could not get there fast enough. And I thought about the, the metaphor of God, of Christ, becoming the Word of God and making His home within us like a tent, like a tabernacle. And here's the thing that I, I, re, I the conclusion that I came to, that God even tabernacles within us when the rain comes. God ain't looking for the exit door. 
God's not looking for the pickup truck to run into to get cover. God is okay with us when it rains. And let's be honest, sometimes the storm does not stop for a very long time. Sometimes that rain lasts forever. But God stays. God stays. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. God made God's dwelling within us because He likes us. I posted this on Facebook yesterday. Will Willimon, one of my favorite theologians, was asked to summarize the gospel in seven words or less, and he said, God refuses to be God without us. God wants to be with us. God knows how messed up we are. He knows how messed up we can be. Yet God chooses to be with us. God doesn't just tolerate us. God loves us. We make God laugh. We make God happy. God delights in us. We are the apple of God's eye. Yes, you and you and you and me. Every single one of us, we are the apple of God's eye. That is good news, my friends. That is our story. That is our legacy. All this month we have focused on from generation to generation. What are the things that have been handed down to us that are worth hanging on to? What are the things that have been handed down to us that we need some counseling on? What are some things that were handed down to us that we need to just be like, yeah, no more. It stops with me. It stops with me. What do we need to hand down to the people behind us? I, I've shared this with you before. I love hanging out with the, you people that have younger children than mine. I watch you with your kids. You have no idea how much I just watch you with your kids. I mean, I just watch you. And I admire you. Because you're teaching your, your kids things that I wish to God I had taught mine about consent. About, I don't have to give you a hug. I don't want to give you a hug. Okay. And so I'm learning. I didn't teach my kids this. I wish I did. Yesterday my grandson was at the house. And I say, Anakin, give Minda a hug. And he goes, stop it. Stop it. And my daughter-in-law was like, oh, Anakin, no, no, you give me that. I said, no, 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 no. Let him learn this now. He does not have to give Minda a hug. He has to have agency in that little five-year-old voice to say, uh-uh, stop it. And knows that it works. That's our legacy that's one of your legacies to me that I get to hand down to my grandchildren. Stop it. Our legacy, our generation. Barbara Brown Taylor says, the last thing any of us needs is more information about God. Is that not the dang truth? <laughs> we need the practice of incarnation by which God saves the lives of those whose intellectual ascent has turned them dry as dust, who have run frightenedly low on the bread of life, 
who are dying to know more God in their bodies. Not more about God, more God. That is really good news indeed. Will you stand with me as we offer up our affirmation of faith for our, for our last one for our From Generation to Generation Advent series? We will recite this together. We believe that for generations, people have gathered together on this holy night because there is something about this story that speaks to the deepest parts of us. We believe in bundling up this hope, this good news, and passing it on to our children, neighbors, and the world around us. I believe that my voice can make a difference, just like this story can make a difference, so I will not stay quiet. I will tell this story of a love that makes room for all. I will sing this story of a love that knows our name. I will live this story because love has come again. I believe that words have power. I will not stay quiet. Amen. You